All right. Good morning. Good morning. So we're going to talk about Kingdom Discipleship. It's a new series, and uh, it goes along with a new book that I have out called Kingdom Discipleship. Imagine that. Um, But the reason that it's so important, it is everything that you do in this life has bearing on the life to come. And there's something very, very wrong with a theology that says death can perfect what I was unwilling to do in life. So that there is free grace, that is grace is free, but all rewards are earned. Once you hit eternity, it's too late to accumulate rewards. It's interesting that on one occasion the disciples ask about sitting on the right and the left hand of the Father. And Jesus made an interesting comment. He said, these are not mine to give, but they will be given. Now think about the ramification of that. That in all eternity, in all of time, two people are chosen, one to sit on the right and one on the left. But beyond that, the Bible is filled with the promises of reward. Rewards are always for a purpose. That is, not only are they given because of merit, but they're also for a purpose in eternity. So however God gifts you in eternity for your service on earth has meaning for all eternity. That is, they're going to be put into use. God never does anything without purpose. And God works in such a way that he brings us to the reality of understanding that when we are faithful, he is also faithful. Multiple, multiple parables teach us about our investment back into what we do and how that brings back to us. So I think sometimes we we live our life a little bit like, you know, when we get to heaven, it's kind of like a Hollywood movie. When we get to heaven, everybody's going to kind of be all equal, kind of spiritual socialism. We're going to get there. Everybody's going to have the same pad. Everybody's going to have the same role. You know, we're going to float around like angels and play harps. Boring, boring. I like what uh, one of the translations says in Ephesians. It says we are trophies of God's grace. Now think about that, a trophy of God's grace. And that there is a purpose and a plan for everything that God has in mind for us. You know, in uh, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5, uh, it, it talks about every word of God is pure. Now, I want you just to stop for a moment. Don't hear more than's being said there. It's not talking about the Word of God being pure. It says every single individual word in the Bible is pure. And he is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Add not to his words, verse 6, lest you be found a liar. And so there's something very powerful about the Word of God. You see, because the Word of God is eternal, and fixed in the heavens, the Scripture says. The Bible says that flowers fade and grass withers, but the Word of God abides forever. So there will never be a point in your life, in this life or in the life to come, where the Word of God will not be useful and valuable to you. Now, we sometimes think, well, we get to eternity, we don't really need the Bible, do we? We need the Word of God. That's what the Bible is. It is the Word of God. It speaks of the character, the nature, and the very presence of God himself. And we always need that in our life. Amen? So what we do is we invest in this world, 
with the Word of God. We, we read Scripture. We memorize Scripture. We do those things because they're like, it's like roots that go deep inside of us that can bring forth much fruit. Uh, interesting story. Years ago, I, we were doing some Scripture memory, and we were asking everybody to memorize a Scripture a week for like three months. This lady came up to me. She was older, and she said, I, I really can't memorize anymore. And I said, oh, really? What's your phone number? And those were in the days when you actually knew your phone number. Remember those days? You know, I, I know one phone number right now. If I get in real trouble, I call my wife. She calls everybody else. But if my phone doesn't work, I only know one number. That's the number I know. And, uh, but anyway, so she said, well, yeah. And she, I said, well, do you think you could memorize the Scripture one a month? She said, I'll try. So she came to me, and she was all excited. She said, I've memorized three scriptures in three weeks. I didn't know I could do this. And I said, well, I knew you could do it. And she said, and I want to get baptized. I said, you've never been baptized. She said, no. And I said, oh, that's great. Well, we've got one coming up. We'll schedule you to be baptized. And after the baptism, she said, I have not been in a body of water since I was a teenager. And I said, what do you mean? Well, I almost drowned when I was like 12 or 13. And so I've never, I've always taken showers and never a bath. I've never gone to a swimming pool. I've never gone. And I said, but you just got baptized. She said, I know it was the word of God that gave me confidence to overcome my fear. You see, it wasn't her courage. It wasn't her obedience. It was the word of God gave her courage. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs that the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. What happens? Righteousness comes from the righteous word of God implanted and grafted in your soul, and it gives you a confidence you didn't even know you had. It gives you wisdom. So when a situation demands something, the word of God, you can access that in your spirit, man, in your mind, and you can immediately go into that, that strength, that position of strength. And so God wants us to know the word of God and invest the word of God in us. Today I'm going to talk to you about potential. I want to talk to you about your potential. Now, you probably have heard all kinds of talks on potential and, and, and the human ability and the mind and all those kind of things, and, and, I, and I think much of that teaching is very, very good. But I want you to know who, who created the idea of potential. It was God himself. So let me illustrate with a story. I was in uh, Cusco uh, just uh, about a week ago. And we were walking down the street. I was walking actually with John Miller. He reminded me today. I was trying to remember who all was with me. But we were walking down the street. A lady came up and wanted to sell us something. And I didn't really want to buy it because I brought home all the third world stuff I need for a lifetime. You know what I mean? I, I got pots and, and I don't know, things you wear and all kinds of stuff that you re-gift. But anyway... Um, so I didn't want to buy it. I said, how much is it? And she said, you know, she told me, and it was a couple of bucks. And I just, I said, let me just give you the money, and then you, you can sell it again, okay, and, which is a great deal, right? And it saves me from hauling it home. And so anyway, then she turned around, and she said, can you pray for my hip? And I thought, where did that come from? I was a tourist on the street, but all of a sudden she said, will you pray for my hip? And I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, I, I can't lift my leg. And she tried. She couldn't do it. And I said, okay, well, put your hand on your hip, and then I'm going to put my hand on yours, and then John put his on mine. And uh, that's just good, by the way, practice, just so you all know where I'm going with this. And uh, so I said, let's just pray. So we prayed, and we got done praying. And I said, how's your hip? And she lifts her legs up, and she skips off. And you, you kind of have one of those moments. You go, what's going on here? So we went down a little bit further, and there was a lady with a little kind of a kiosk out there on the street, and there's a couple of our team members there, and as we began to talk to her, we found out that she was almost blind. She couldn't read at all, 
And so, uh, fortunately, Kurt, thank you, Kurt, for your Spanish. It worked out great in that moment. Uh, he was a translator, and we asked, you know, can you see this pamphlet? No, I can't see this pamphlet at all. Well, let's go ahead and pray. We prayed, and uh, is it better now? Open your eyes. Is it better? I think so. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where is it? Oh, about a 3. I said, okay, well, let's keep praying. You see, a lot of times when you pray for somebody, you stop short because you think, oh, it didn't work. I mean, if you have to pray 20 times, does it matter? Right? You with me on this one? So we go ahead and we, I said, close your eyes, let's pray again. We prayed again. And I said, open your eyes and, and can you see? And she looked around. She's looking like she can see. And then uh, John put a pamphlet in front of her. Can you read this? And she read everything and just started laughing and crying. She got healed at blindness. You know, I always think it's funny when I tell stories like that and you got to prompt people. Like, if you were blind and you just got healed, would you be happy? Right? Uh, just a reminder you know, if it works on you. But as I walked away, I thought, what was the most significant thing that happened in that moment? And you know what it was? I realized my potential. I realized I was created for this kind of thing. It was great that she got healed of blindness, but it was, it was even greater for me because I got healed of blindness. You see, if you stop short of the potential that God has woven into you, then that's depressing. The, the, the most expensive, the richest place on planet Earth is not, it's not a diamond field, it's not a gold mine, it's not an oil field, it's actually the local cemetery. Because buried in those graves are potential that was never realized, inventions that were never created, discoveries that were never realized. Because somewhere along the line, somebody believed the lie that said, I can't. That who am I? You ever had somebody say, well, I'm just a, and then they fill in the blank. They might put their profession in there. They might put their age. They might put something in there. I'm just a. You were never a just a. You were created in the image of almighty God to do great and mighty things. You're never a just. When somebody says that to you, just slap them. Just slap them. They go, what's that for? Just say it again and slap them again. After a while, they won't say it anymore, I promise you. You might lose a friend in the process, but you see, the idea is we're never just something. You are conceived in the mind and the heart of God in his image to do great exploits for the kingdom. And when I talk about the kingdom, I'm talking about something bigger than church. You see, in, the, in this uh, discipleship book, and we're going to go through it chapter by chapter, really encourage you to buy a copy of it uh, out in the lobby uh, we have a limited number of them. We'll have more next week. I apologize. We didn't, we kind of underestimated how many we needed. But uh, let me show you this diagram, and it's going to illustrate where we're going to go and how this philosophy really is going to guide us. So when we start with what's God's ultimate goal, it is the establishment of his kingdom in the universe. It's not start churches. That's only a part of the kingdom. And so if you think about it, God sits in the velvet blackness of the night and he conceives in his mind this creation of man and planets and stars and galaxies and all of these things. And he says to himself, I'm going to create creatures who are going to honor and worship me and in turn I'm going to bless them beyond measure. So he creates so we see this establishment of the kingdom. Now, you'll see three phases up here. I want to walk you through what those mean. The first phase there is a presentation of types and models to illustrate the kingdom. 
So God creates Adam and Eve, and he puts Adam in the Garden of Eden. And guess what he is? He is King Adam because he has dominion, this is what kings do, over everything that's in the sky, everything that's in the water, and everything that crawls on the ground. He is given his own territory. It's called the Garden of Eden. He has everything in that garden that he needs. He is now King Adam. But whenever you begin to exercise dominion in your life, the enemy shows up, Satan shows up, and he begins to taunt him and take away from him through Eve what God had given. And this is the way it always works. And by the way, the Bible says that that Eve was deceived in 2 Timothy, but not Adam. So Eve was deceived, but Adam was standing there saying nothing, so Adam was dumb. So there's a characteristic I've discovered in men and women, and that is that men are characteristically dumb, right? And that women are characteristically deceived. They'll get fooled into something. There are patterns in Scripture that help you understand mankind. For example, once you start to see the patterns, you'll see them throughout Scripture. Uh, One example would be uh, the Jews. It says of the Jews, they seek a sign to believe. Why did Jesus do signs? Because his primary target was the Jewish people. Why will the uh, enemy counterfeit signs and wonders during the Great Tribulation to the Jewish people? Because he knows that their affinity is to signs. But it says of Gentiles, that means if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. It says that we seek knowledge and understanding. We can't get enough of Google. Right? I don't care if there's three million pages. I will read them because I'm going to do this. Well, you begin to see these characteristics that are happening here, and all of a sudden you'll see patterns. For example, God illustrates this this whole idea of redemption with a lamb. So a lamb is introduced very early with Cain and Abel into the scene, and the lamb is slain, and all of a sudden then you see it... uh, continually throughout the Old Testament. Then John the Baptist shows up and he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Everybody knew exactly what he was talking about because they knew that first phase. Then you go to Revelation and guess what? The Lamb is still there. There you see the Lamb standing as though it had been slain before the foundation of the world. So in the heart and the mind of God, his type, his picture of a Lamb was there before you ever had a problem. It's a principle of Scripture that God's provision always precedes your problems. You walk into provision by faith. You can walk away from provision with no faith. So second phase, let's go to it. Second phase is the ministry of Christ and the apostles. And you notice he really had a great commission. This great commission runs all the way through Scripture. It was uh, Adam that was uh, told to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That's exactly the great commission that Jesus gave. Let me show you what that is. Be fruitful, that's evangelism. That's telling somebody about Jesus. Okay, be fruitful, multiply, that's discipleship. That's reproducing yourself and someone else. And then that third phase there of fill the earth, that's missions. And the idea is we take what we have locally, we take it around the world like we did in Peru, South Africa, some of the other places that we've been here uh, as teams. And so third phase is the fulfillment of that kingdom. That's the future kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that is said to be a tabernacle of God that, that descends from, from heaven and it merges with earth and earth and, and heaven are no longer separated. That's a future eternal kingdom that's coming. So this is just part what we're going to be talking about as we go through this whole study uh, together. So what I want to do is I want to take you to, to uh, the idea of potential. So God sees your potential even if you don't see your potential. Now, I want you to look at your neighbor for just a moment. 
You know, when you look at your neighbor, you probably look at something like, you know, like, oh, they have new glasses. Oh, I don't know who you are. But, what, but have you ever noticed that you don't look at people and see their potential? You might see competition, but you don't see potential. What would happen if you would start looking at everyone around you and say, I see something in you you don't see? I see potential in you you don't see. And if you actually spoke those words out to that person and said, I see in you some unbelievable potential, and then you gave them one or two things that they saw, that you saw in them that they probably didn't see in themselves, do you think that person would walk away encouraged? That is our job. We are to minister to one another, see things in each other, and build that faith up so that we do greater exploits for the kingdom of God. So here's a definition of potential. Potential is, uh, is unexposed ability. I've got things in me I don't even know is in there. It's unexposed. It's not out there and visible and latent power given by God. I might have great abilities to do things that I've never even thought of doing, but because I live in this limited space of what I can or I'm just a fill-in-the-blank, then I don't really realize that. I was reading about Leonardo da Vinci and, and all these wonderful inventions he, he's created and then all the ones that he threw away. They said he threw away over 100 inventions. I want to know what those were. He thought they weren't very good. I mean, this guy's been credited with so many things and, and just in every field. How did he do that? You say, well, he was just super gifted. And you're not? You see, it, by the fact that you said he's super gifted, you're thinking you're not. What if you saw yourself as being gifted? My first year of college, I just about flunked out. I really wasn't that crazy about the whole concept of study. I, uh, I'd gone through high school. I never took a book home, never studied for a test, and somehow I survived high school. I got good enough grades just by somehow soaking in what was said, and I never found it that challenging. So I go to college. I think it's the same deal except with a party. I, you know, I, I don't know. It's like an all-expense party paid by your parents. This is super cool. And so I went there, and then I didn't do real good. And then my dad, who was a colonel in the Army at the time, uh, he'd sit down and gave me the Army talk. The Army talk is you're not going to college. I'm enlisting you in the Army. And somehow brilliance jumped in my head, but only for a moment. I went to college, and I thought, yeah, you know, I, I think I can do just a little bit more. I don't, I'll study once in a while. I'll take a book home. I'll do that kind of stuff. But then I got a roommate named Mark, and Mark was the guy that was always studying. You know, the most boring human being on planet Earth, just the most boring, you know, always getting A's, boring, you know, always studying, boring, you know. And I would do everything to distract him. He'd be sitting over there studying, and I'd, I'd run across the room, and I'd tackle him, knock him out of the chair, you know. He'd get up, wouldn't say a word, wouldn't fight back, get up, set his chair, go back to studying. I'd go, I hate you. Right? He would, he, would, he would take the phone off the hook. That's when they had him on the wall. That was an old day. And uh, he closed the curtain. He'd put a towel under the door so nobody knew it was there. And then he would just study for like five, six hours straight. And I got so bored, I started studying. It had nothing to do with discipline. It did not fear of the Army. I just was bored. And then, I, and then I got my report card. And I go, how did I end up on the dean's list? Oh, there's a connection between study and grades. Once I made the connection, it was easy. But you know what it really was? It was the environment I was in. The environment I was in with him put me in an environment of study. Do you realize the environment you're in in the kingdom will change the course of your future? 
the people you associate with, the things that you align yourself with, the things that people are talking about, it will change your eternal future and the rewards you have in eternity. Because if you think you can skate through this life and get by and act like a Christian and get there, it's going to be your wake-up call when you meet the colonel. Are you with me on this? You can fool everybody here on planet Earth. You can't fool anybody in eternity. I taught in a seminary down in New Orleans, and this guy got up, and, and it had this big, deep southern accent. He says, well, he says, when you die, God's going to show a 16-millimeter film of your life, and ain't going to be no popcorn given on that day. Hey, I don't even think his theology was good, but it scared me to death. You know what I'm talking about? Can you imagine everything that you want anybody to know shown on a film? Yeah, that's not fun, is it? Nobody's going, amen, that's so good. I want the full revelation. I want to be buck naked in heaven. I can't wait. No, nobody wants that in their life, right? So God says, okay, then realize your potential. Let's go to Matthew 13, 24. The kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven like? It's like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now look how simple God makes this. What's the kingdom of heaven like? He says like a field. Okay? That's all it is. It's like a field. Okay, I can relate to that, a field, piece of property. And so what happens in a field, the first thing you do is you see it. You go, wow, look at that piece of property. I I see that piece of property. And you make a decision, you're going to then buy it, right? And then you have to work in that field. Okay, now, so he said the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like a field. I see it. I go, I want the kingdom. I'm going to buy it. That is, I'm going to commit my life to that field. Your field, by the way, is the sphere in which you operate. It's where you work. It's where you go to school. It's where you live. Now, you looked at it. You said, I'm going to go ahead and buy that field. I'm going to invest in that. And then you have to make a decision to work in it. I think a lot of Christians saw it, bought it, and then they neglected it. They became land speculators. They said, I'll hold it till it becomes more valuable. It's never more valuable than it is right now because it's going to produce something. He saw it. He bought it. And then he said, I'm going to work it. You see, we undervalue what God values. There are things that we say, you know, that's not that valuable. Uh, I told you a few weeks ago that research says we only use about 3 to 4% of our brain, maximum maybe 8 to 10 Now think about that. 90% of my brain or more is on the bench most of my life. And I think I'm overworked. I'm not even smart enough to know what being overworked is. If I'm only using 10%, are you with me on this? If you ever come over, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm so tired. No, you were bored out of your brain because you're only using 3% of it. What if you unleash the potential inside of you given by God? You'd come home. You wouldn't be bored. You'd be going, I can't wait to start again because I'm going to start new things and create things. I'm going to see things people don't see. I mean, I think there's probably all kinds of inventions and scientific discoveries that are just right here in this room. If you would just stop saying, I can't, and start saying, I wonder what it is, and start speaking life over you. You know, we do a lot of things here that, that just defy who we are in terms of our, our age and our church. Uh, put this, uh, I want to put this light up, this Festival of Lights. I think this is kind of cool. We missed it a little bit earlier. This is coming up in August. 
But this is kind of cool. Light Festival out in Corona. And got Lecrae there. Look at, look at the lineup over here. Look over here. Matthew West over here. And there's Influence Music. That's kind of cool, right? Well, you see, you know what it is? There's potential here. And when you find out how to mine the potential and unleash the potential, it's, I don't think there's any limit. You know, you know, the next thing we're going to be doing is uh, this Friday is we're going to be releasing a film. And so um, we shouldn't be doing a film. Not given the size of our church and given the, the age of our church, but, you know, we're doing a film. Let me just show you a little clip. This is a, a minute and 46 seconds. Let me just show you this clip. And uh, it's a little pre, uh, just a, a sizzle reel from what you're going to see this Friday, the whole film. Uh, it's about a uh, 30-minute film uh, plus the new album. Voices of Hope will be here. Influence me. It's going to be fantastic Friday night. If you're not here, then we're going to call you. All right, let's watch the film. So influence music, influence media, influence church, women of influence. I mean, just think about what God's doing here in this house. I think we're just starting to scratch the surface. That's what I really believe. And I believe there's things spinning in your head right now going, you know what, I haven't even thought about it. I just feel unleashed. And just don't stop it. Don't stop it. You know, I so said we, we under, uh, underestimate or undervalue the things that God really values, but also we have to realize that truth exists in tension. It lies in tension. Whenever you think about a truth, there's always a tension, and the tension is I can't. When you see the miraculous of God and you say, well, it's not happening to me, then you live in the tension. You see, the tension exists for your faith, not to destroy your faith, to build your faith. Because when I, when I see a miracle somewhere, it makes me hunger for a miracle somewhere else. When I see a miracle that doesn't happen, it makes me hung, more hungry for the God of miracles. 
Amen? And so you have to realize that Christian life is always a, t- a life of tension. There's always going to be there. Let me take you a little bit further. Potential multiplies in the kingdom. That is, once you start to move into potential, it's easier to, to go a little bit deeper in potential. Does this make sense? All right? Because all of a sudden you're like encouraged. You've got some momentum. Something's going on. You go, what? well, if I can do that, I can do this. If I can do this, I can do that. There's no limits. Quit living with limits. It's, it's amazing over the, over the seven years history of this church, how many times, I, you know, we've kind of got down to that place where we go, gosh, we just don't have any money and we don't know what we're going to do. And all of a sudden, God would move somebody and they would give a generous gift or God would give us an idea and we just, and I go, and, and all, every time God goes, why do you doubt me? And I go, because I'm dumb. Right? I mean, that's why I doubt him. Because he's not given me a history of doubt. Oh, if I had some things not happen, absolutely. If I had some setbacks, absolutely. But most of them just because I was dumb. It was never because of God. Have you ever noticed that? God's always faithful, amen? Always faithful. So let me take another scripture, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like what? A mustard seed. So first it was like a field. Now it's like a mustard seed. So how many seeds are in one seed? That's the wrong question. How many trees are in one seed? Do you see the difference? It's not that one seed produces a thousand seeds. It's that one one seed produces a thousand trees that produce a thousand seeds that then go along and produce another thousand, each one of them. You have to think about potential differently. You have to see it with 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 an X behind it and a couple of zeros and not just live with, well, you know, if I did this, it might get that. Hey, that's poverty thinking. Think about exponential thinking. Think about what's bigger and, and grander for, the, for you and for the glory of God. Because you see, whenever God does that for you, you know why he does it? You know why? You say, well, it's so we can prosper. I don't believe in prosperity without a purpose. If you prosper, you are, you are prospered for a purpose. Because when you have prosperity and your company expands, you can hire more people. And those people can raise kids, and those people can mow lawns, and those people can buy groceries, and those people can make your community better. It's always with a purpose. If it's for hoarding, you miss the purpose altogether. It's always with a purpose. All right, so must be, which a man took, that's another sermon, and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all the seeds. So he picked out one of the smallest seeds, but when it's grown, it's greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Now, think about this. I plant a seed, I get a tree, it multiplies. How, what a cool analogy, but he doesn't stop there. He said, so the birds can rest and gain perspective from the tree. Now, don't miss what's happening here. When your faith grows, other people can perch in your branches and their faith can be encouraged and their perspective can be broadened. You see that? You, your faith never exists for you. It's for you and everybody else around you. There have been times where I haven't had faith and I didn't want to admit it. You ever been there? Like, hey, guys, he's talking great faith. And I go, I got nothing. You know, but I'm just quiet because I look more spiritual when I'm quiet. Right? That's what Proverbs says. A wise man is, you know, even a fool is, is smart, looks intelligent when he closes his mouth or something like that. So, you know, if you want to really look smart, just don't say anything. The minute you open your mouth, you change feet. 
But you see, you think about it now. So, so what you're going to do is you're going to invest this thing in the kingdom. You're going to let the, the kingdom of God flourish in you and through you, and you're just going to begin to sow these seeds throughout, throughout your lifetime. Because what happens is growth happens in your life. And here's how growth happens in the kingdom. It starts from small, and it goes to large. Growth always goes from small to large. It also grows from the bottom up. Just be patient. Be patient. Let it grow. And then it's from the inside out. You see, when enough of you on the, uh, the inside of you is right, it comes out. It comes out. That's why people say, well, you know, I'm just trying to really control my tongue because I curse a lot. I say, well, that, it has nothing to do with your tongue. It has nothing to do with your mind. Out of the heart flows the abundance. Out of the mouth flows the abundance of the heart. Get your heart right and the mouth will clean up. Well, that's a habit. Well, stop it. Right? I mean, stop it. You see, there, there's just some things you can do to make yourself a better human being. But, but also in the kingdom, kingdom mysteries are given to the faithful. You see, mysteries are really important for you. Things that you cannot figure out, things that frustrate you, God puts plenty of those in your life and in the kingdom for a purpose. Let me show you this scripture, and uh, again, Matthew 13, verses 11 and 12, it has been given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. God says, I want to give you the ability to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it goes on to say, but to them it has not been given. Who's them? Those who think there's no way to know those mysteries. Those who short, uh, cut short potential in their life. They're the super religious of that day. It uh, has not been given to them, but whoever has, more will be given. Okay, now watch this. When I get some mysteries, what does it say? It says it's going to exponentially move. I'm going to get more, I'm going to get better understanding in the mysteries of God. Why? Because that's how the kingdom works. Well, don't you think it's, it's be fair just to get everybody something? No. Wouldn't be fair at all. We all know it's not fair. You ever had the relative that never worked? And the only place they vacationed was your house? Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what fair is now? Hey, when's this bum leaving, right? Ain't my brothers and sisters. I got none. Just kidding, baby. No, but seriously, we know we can relate to, we can relate to that. We relate. Well, like, well, why don't you pay for something? You ever been out with somebody that never paid? Was that fair? I ain't going out with them no more. Right? It's like, it's like you, want, you, know, you look in a dictionary, you want slow, it's somebody's hand going to the wallet. It's froze right there. Why am I telling you this? Because I don't know what else to say in this moment. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a kingdom principle. We value, the things you value in life are kingdom values. Why would on Anything on any planet would Christianity ever make sense that when I do nothing, I get everything. I want riches, but I never give. I want love, but I don't. It doesn't even make human sense, let alone biblical sense. You with me on this? So mysteries, what are they? They're, they're secret plans and thoughts of God. What if you could get into the mind of God? They're hidden from human reason. There's some things you just can't, I can't figure it out. I don't care how smart you are, you cannot figure it out. 
because when you find out mysteries are as important as revelation, we think we love revelation. Somebody speak a word of prophecy. Give me this, give me that. Those are important, and those are a really good thing. But mysteries are what build your faith. Revelation is what propels your faith. So when you live in the mystery and you go, I can't figure this out, what do you do? You pray. You seek the Word of God. You find, try to find answers. But promises also connect the mysteries of God to God's heart. See, when you begin to think about it, promises, what they do, you read a promise. You go, well, there's a promise in the Word of God. Look at that promise. And all of a sudden you go, but how? There's the mystery. The mystery begins to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to step into that. I'm going to pray into that. I'm going to live into that. I'm gonna, and all of a sudden the promises come alive because you, you had the mysteries in your life. Amen? Let me give you a couple of uh, just keys to potential. And then I have a prophetic blessing that I wrote in between services I want to I wanna share with you. But your potential is your dormant ability. It's dormant. You don't even know it's there right now. It's your reserve power. It's power that you, you have available to you, but you don't know you have it. It's like a passing gear on your car. I didn't know I had a passing gear. I mean, I can go faster. Yeah, just push the gas down. And it'll kick into a passing gear. You'll go faster. There's some passing gears in your life God wants to unleash. Untapped strength. You haven't, you haven't tapped into it yet. It's there. Unused success. Hidden talents. Capped capacity. How about this? All you can be but have not yet become, that's your potential. All you can do but have not yet done, that's your potential. All that you can accomplish but have not yet accomplished it, that's your potential. And guess what? You're going to bless every aspect of society. It's not about just getting close to Jesus and going to church. It's about every facet of society being blessed by you. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. That's why the environment's important, because we're created in the image of God. That's why picking up trash is important, because you're created in the image of God. That's why taking care of kids that, are, that don't have enough, that, because you're created in the image of God. You can live with some extra in your bank account, or you can bless somebody. And if you bless somebody, you, you're not getting seeds, you're planting trees. We take these kids from the Boys and Girls Club, we put them in our camp, we pay the whole thing. We're planting trees. We're, gonna, we're, raising, up, we're raising up moms and dads, future moms and dads, who are going to look at life differently because we ponied up the cash. I don't hate that, do you? I mean, I love that idea. Because guess what? They make better citizens. They make better Christians. They better make better moms and dads. They have a pattern. They don't have the benefit maybe that you've had. But guess what? You get, to, you get to bless them and you get to grow a tree. How about that? All right, here's what I want you to do. Let's all, everybody stand. Okay, now, we went to Peru, and a lot of people that went up to Peru are in this service. So I'm going to have all of you who went to Peru just come up here at the front if you just trust me in this. Okay? Now, what you discovered is they're coming. What they discovered in a really tough situation in a lot of cases, that they had a potential they didn't know they had. They probably had this great dream of what it was all going to look like, and it, it changed. They didn't know if they were going to be able to pray for somebody, see somebody healed. They didn't know if they were going to be able to just endure uh, all the, the, the rigorous uh, schedule or anything else, but guess what? They did. They saw they had a potential they didn't know they had. Amen? 
Some of you prayed for people you'd never prayed like that before. You saw people healed. You never knew that that could, was even possible. That's potential. Okay? All right. So you realize the potential. Now you have a responsibility to do that all the time. Amen? Not to lose the fire, but to do that all the time. Amen? Okay, now. Now, here's the other thing. I want to I put this up on the screen. I want to show you this, this uh, little uh, prophetic word that I just wrote during the, between services. And uh, I call it Unleashed Potential. So I really believe there are people in this room that, are, that this whole message, you said, you know what? I know there's some potential in me that just needs to be unleashed. Amen? Would you just raise your hand? Say, yeah, I, I got a little word today. I got a little insight into that. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up here and join everybody up here. Just, just cram this aisle and come on up here. Just come on up. If you raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, you can still come. Okay? All right, yeah, and the idea is you have to come in close here, guys. So that's it. That's it. That's good. That's good. Oh, how fun is this? Okay, now I want everybody from Peru to turn around and face everybody who's just come forward. Okay, and I want you to extend. If they're close enough to touch them, I want you to extend your hand or just put your hand on their shoulder. Okay? All right. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say this together. And those of you who with Peru potential, potential came out of Peru, what you saw, you're going to realize, you're going to say, I'm going to walk in that power, and we're going to say this together. So let's, let's repeat it after. As soon as we get it back up on the screen. There it is. I am a divine creation with unlimited potential. Okay, now stop right there. This is a faith statement. When you make this not as a statement, but as a faith statement, it realizes itself in your heart, okay? Unleashed potential. Here we go. Every fiber of my being is wired by God for expansion. The devil's lie is powerless over me. The blood of Christ cleanses and empowers me today. I declare life over all aspects of my life. And there's a great illustration. Sometimes your promises don't look like they're all there. You gotta look a little, you gotta look to your right or your left. You'll find the promises if you keep looking. Amen. All right. God, guys, God bless you. And I, I just pray for just uh, unending unleashing of ideas and potential this week in your life that you're going to just, you're going to have a smile on your face. You don't even know why you got to smile. God, I got to smile. I, I, I'm going somewhere. Come back next week, part two, Kingdom Discipleship. going to be a great time. If you want to pick up a copy of the book, I think we have a few copies left. But here, what's happening Friday night? Seven o'clock, kind of semi-formal, whatever that means in California. I think what that means is you wear your better tennis shoes. But anyway, God bless you guys. We'll see you Friday.